Welcome, dear listener, to another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name's Arma. Now we're back. It's July. We're so back. The 4th has come and gone. Do you know how I know it's July? Because uh, we melt when we go outside? Besides that? No. Um, it gets hot enough so that the circuit in my garage door opener uh, never connects and it never turns on. Does that mean that you can't close your garage? No, it, it can. It works. It just the light doesn't go on. That's how I know it's July. Okay. Because it happens in July, and then when it cools down. Actually, I'm lying. It's how I know that it's uh, June through September. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's wow. basically above 100 all the time now. I don't wish for anyone to live in this state during... <laughs> This incre- this is ridiculous. It's like 106 at night. Yeah, it's been particularly bad, though. This is our last day of uh, above 110. It's going to cool down to, yes, a, you. to a nice 106, 107 high oh, after geez. this. You know, and, and we'll be happy for I have a covered parking spot at work. And there was a long time when I didn't have a covered parking spot at work. This is really important in Arizona also. Yeah, it changes your perspective. On life, basically. Now, um, I don't know how much we want to get into this, but there was an important, well, a big piece of news about the giant bomb guy. Oh, yes. Well, it's always lame and, gosh, I don't even want to say that word. I'm trying not to cuss, Alon. Uh, okay? I appreciate that. <laughs> trying to keep the show clean. And the, that word doesn't even do it justice. But, yeah, the one of the founders of Giant Bomb died, and that's a horrible thing. And, I mean, I don't know. Is the know. name Ryan Davis? Do I have that correct? Oh, gosh, you know what? I didn't even write it down. Yeah. Um, we should know because we should be more educated about who runs that thing. Uh, I think it was Ryan Davis. And um, I will check to confirm. But, but, yeah, apparently news just came out. What's weird is today is we're recording on the 8th. But he actually passed on the 3rd, so they kept it quiet for a while, and they have not announced um, who it was, or I'm sorry, how it happened. It is Ryan Davis. Uh, haven't announced what happened to him. I assume he didn't have some known terminal illness, otherwise people wouldn't be so surprised. Um, what is also weird is that he is my age. He was actually younger than me. Like yeah, he's, four months. He's younger than me, too, and that's scary. Yeah, and he was married like a week before this happened, so... Uh, very unfortunate, our condolences and all, um, so we can move on, continue to, apparently he was basically the voice of the giant Bombcast podcast, which when I ask people what podcast they listen to, because they tell, they listen to ours and they love ours. I'm like, what else? And they say they listen to giant Bombcast is very, very common one that, that people say they listen to people who appreciate our show. I mean, also appreciate it. It's a very popular podcast and I've, I've not had the opportunity to ever listen, but. So, anyway, uh, that sucks. It does. But moving on, there's uh, there's still news to cover. So, we're just we're just like we just have so we have more things than ever before to talk about. We do have a large list, and I'm going to let you start. I think, and uh, there's so many different things I could cover. L- let me get some little things out of the way, okay? Some things we overlap, by the way. I don't know if people understand how we we prep for the show. Basically, you do yours, and I do mine, and Usually there's a couple that overlap, so yeah. those tend to be the ones we talk about a lot. True. One of the things that does not overlap is Gran Turismo 6. Absolutely correct. Haven't even loaded it onto my PlayStation 3. So I was shocked to hear that you actually wanted to try it out. I did. I wanted to see the difference. I knew it's important to you. So, um, well, I mean, you know, you don't have to just, you don't have to do it just for me, but... No, but knowing that we would be talking about it, I figured I should be informed. Just That's, like I asked you to play The Last of Us before we talk about that. Oh, yes. So mutual reciprocation is always a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about Last of Us later on and how much I survived through that. But, okay, so I just want to say a couple things, not a whole lot. So Gran Turismo 6, it's not actually the demo of Gran Turismo 6. It's the GT Academy 2013 contest, which I talked Last year, about last year's contest while I was doing it. This year, I'm doing it again. It is advertised as the Gran Turismo 6 demo, though, right? <laughs> no, it actually isn't. It's just known to be that because that is the only playable thing that's running the Gran Turismo 6 engine right now. Okay. So it is, it's supposedly also doubling as the demo for that game. 
But I mean, the game's six is coming out. But basically, this only everyone else says that. Sony themselves don't say that. They just say it's the GT Academy. Yeah, it says powered by Gran Turismo Six. Oh, it does. If you if you would really like to be precise. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll call that a demo then. That's legit. But nowhere does it actually say Gran Turismo Six demo. Okay. In fact, nowhere does it say demo. Well, because it's not. not I understand. Mistaken, right? it's, it's actually an an interesting piece of software, like in terms of its its placement in the gaming ecosystem, uh, because it's it's demoing a game yeah, without yeah. actually being a demo and serving some other contest purpose. It is. It's, I mean, it's, how many pieces of software are actually interesting and also contests? Very, very few. Yeah, they're they're pretty unique in that regard. So anyway, um, there's about twenty days left in the contest. Of course, uh, it's only the, a month long to begin with. Yeah, the Top 31 gets to go to race camp to uh, whittle down uh, their numbers further. Just very, very similar to last year. So last year, I don't even remember. I think I was in the la- like somewhere in the 200s. Okay, so awesome time. Really happy. But no, still no cigar. It's just as good as not even playing. Well, no, I wouldn't even say that. That's not fair. But um, – not good enough. Not nearly good enough. So now this year, um, I haven't spent a lot of time on the demo yet, but I'm going to give, I'm going to give a status update every show until it's over. Right now, I have a time of two minutes twenty-one. The number one guy, where is he at? Is just under two eighteen. So you need to shave basically three and a half seconds off to be in first yeah, place. Yeah, actually, virtually four seconds. Okay. Four seconds on a two and one third minute track. Okay. So that's a lot of seconds. And we actually watched the replay of the guy who has the fastest time right now. We also saw a lot of corner cutting. Yeah, so. a couple cheats there. So and I, I was saying to, to Ara, like, I can't necessarily blame the guy. It's not like he can control whether or not his lap time gets uploaded. I don't know that he intentionally cut those corners as much as he did, but the fact is he had four wheels outside the white line. Yes, and which now, uh, as, as you know, this is a big no-no in racing. Well, apparently, because if you go too far off, it'll tell you, sorry, your time won't count. Yeah. So that, f- which is what happened to me four out of five times I tried to go around the track. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that this time they are, they've always been not very careful with the course boundaries, and they're continuing this trend. So sometimes the boundary seems like you can like you you can go two wheels off and you'll get disqualified actually. In other places, which we just noticed, you can go four wheels off and not get disqualified. So now it's slowly becoming the game of find where you can exploit the most. And I was actually remarking to you because we were both watching this replay of the fastest time that uh, this is starting to feel a little bit like bunk to me because the way the car, even though it's truly like legitimately the fastest time, I mean, it wasn't like, it didn't look like he was exploiting in any way other than just um, skillfully steering around the track in whatever way he could. At the same time, nobody drives like that ever. I mean, if you drive like that in a race or even, a even, real doing, life race. even doing time trial, like... I mean, I mean, yeah, he was just in deep, deep drifts, cooking the tire like crazy a couple times around the track. And, I mean, it's just – well, I guess this is where the video game part breaks down because you don't, you don't really do that in professional racing. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a video game. So while their methods now of finding the best driver have become slightly suspect to me i still think it's a pretty i think it's probably i mean it's pretty good there's only one way to figure out who's the best right so any metric will have some flaws yeah. this metric is just as well, good I'm as i'm glad any to hear other. that you're not going just totally crazy about how the guys cuz last year you were like it's all exploits and it's nothing but cheaters and yeah well i mean you know how that goes after after you get hot under the collar enough times it's not as exciting anymore okay so so there's that yes you and i both on our list wanted to talk about uh double fine and their kickstarter and the the recent i don't don't know the the word to use for it i kind of feel like i'm uh i'm like watching a storm brewing or i'm watching like a catastrophe happen before my eyes so, so let me give the backstory. We only have a, a minute or two before the break here. Let me give the backstory for the listeners. Um, 
once upon a time, there was something called Kickstarter that nobody knew about. And then people suddenly knew about it. And one of the reasons they knew about it was because of some very high-profile Kickstarter projects. One of which is the watch that I've talked about. I think I've talked about the fact that I have it. The, uh, the Pebble, which is awesome. Works. Which is a watch and not a video game. Correct. It works pretty much as advertised, even though it took a very long time to acquire. They did produce this physical device, and it is now on my wrist, and it you know, provides utility. Uh, but... There's a lot of video game Kickstarters, crowdfunding for video games, and the Double Fine game, which at the time, I can't remember what it was called, but now it's called Broken Age. Well, they just called it Adventure, but yes, now they're calling it... Yeah, Double Fine Adventure, and now it's actually called Broken Age. The Broken Um, Age. It was the first video game Kickstarter to make a big impact. Like, there were were some video game projects on there, but they didn't make a big deal. And boy, did it make a big impact. It was like millions of dollars or something. 3.3. Three million, and there was a there was a chart showing uh, amount of money towards Kickstarter video game related Kickstarter projects, and you could see the timeline. Basically, nothing, 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 and then the Double Fine Adventure hits. There's a huge spike, and then forever that point forward, lots more money is going to video game Kickstarters in general. Now, what makes this really significant isn't that they got three point three million; it's that they asked for four hundred k. And they got 3.3 million. That is another important component to the story. So they asked for what result, what ended up being a very small to what they received. They therefore received more than they expected, and and now there is a little bit of turmoil, which is the part that we're going to go into after the break uh, to talk about what's going on and by a little what bit, Tim is doing. We what, mean a lot, yeah, and and what their ultimate plan is moving forward. We'll be right back with that. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And if you don't want to upset people with uh, mismanaged Kickstarters, you can learn (laughs) economics, remedial English, programming, and all sorts of unrelated uh, or things unrelated to video games by taking your first year of school at the University of Advancing Technology. And then you can learn video game related stuff in years two, three, and four. Or however you choose to pursue your degree, uat.edu is their website. So now let's talk about what happened here. Like you said, they asked for something around four hundred grand, maybe exactly four hundred grand. They got well over three million dollars, and now they've run out of money. Yeah. So I, I just want to read this short quote that will encapsulate everything. And this is actually I, I want I'd like us I'd like you also to comment on this, but I also would like to comment myself on this. So Tim Schafer, right, big boss of Double Find, writes a letter to everybody. And basically the gist of this letter is, even though we received much more money from our Kickstarter than we or anybody anticipated, that didn't stop me from getting excited and designing a game so big that it would need even more money. Yeah, so I want to do a little bit of math here. More than three point three million. So they asked for four hundred. They get three point three. That's eight times as much money as they asked for. And he says, "So I designed bigger, right? I designed bigger, and we ran out of money." Now, I would get it. 
Like, if they asked for 400 grand, they got 400 grand, and he got excited, he built it a little bit too much, and now they need more money, right? Wouldn't be too surprising. But there's no way in hell that he had... Like, I assume the game they built was, at least in premise, the game that he was thinking of. Right? Like, oh, I've got this game I want to build. Because you wouldn't ask for money without knowing what you want to do to some degree. So he says, okay, at least I have the idea for the most part, and with a Double Fine game that probably involves a lot of script, like what the storyline is and how many worlds would be involved, that sort I'm of sure. thing, how many characters would be involved, at least roughly, they get eight times as much. There is no way at all that he designed eight times the game he had already designed before asking for the Kickstarter. Oh. It is not... Oh, before the Kickstarter. No chance. No, There's you're no abs- chance that he was thinking, this is the game I'm going to build. Oh, we got eight times as much money. I'm going to build eight times as much game. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I don't think actually anyone contests that. It seems pretty clear that what happened was once they realized they were in $3.3 million land, that uh, they increased the size of the scope of the design. Yeah, but not that much. Like, it couldn't have been that much. There, no, there but it was that much. Irresponsibility. Like, well, if, if, I, if that happened to me... I would say, okay, we can build a little bit bigger. Let's now consider a budget of $600,000 with all of this extra money going towards the sorts of things it, could, it should go towards, like bonus for the fact that we did well or reserves for when we go over. But there, you can't scrap your idea and say, oh, we're just going to do something monumental and huge because we got eight times as much money. Well, that's what they're doing. And it's not even just a little bit of overestimation. In this letter, he also indicated that basically um, with the budget they have now, the $3.3 million, if they were going to make that without making uh, any other concessions, they'd basically have to cut down the game by 75%. Okay, so that means that – I'm not even going to crunch the numbers in my head. I mean that's, that's – that's, So we needed $13 million, is what I'm saying. <sighs> yeah, okay. So your head math is much better than mine. Here's the thing. I kind of feel like it was disingenuous of him to say that basically the only reason was that like, oh, whoops, we designed a game that was way too big. Like that just does, that just doesn't sit – that doesn't even sit, seem honest to me. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. But on the other hand, this kind of thing this – is, this is actually interesting to me because this sort of thing happens all the time in almost every single corporate video game – development situation it's this is this very exact thing happened to me when i was working at rainbow we were just not we were not getting funded by kickstarter we were getting funded by thq and this game that i was working on that never came out was basically it was so when people did all the schedules okay and estimated and did all their estimates i mean we had like massive like scheduling right like there was a guy his job was only to do schedules just to go around and like coordinate scheduling amongst all the different parts of the team and we had we had like meetings we had like we tried to like find out like how to schedule better we did like all of these things at the company to like try and improve this process and none of it worked what ended up happening was just that regardless of what anybody did it was it was it was almost comical and it's kind of comical that it continues to happen over and over again. This is just endemic in game development. Just scope just gets out of hand. And I feel like it's more that the reality of actually making a game is so hard to really just predict. You just can't predict it. I I mean, I've said this before, right? So there's inflation of estimates. So you always double your estimate, right? Yeah. And but then, but then there's inf- like it's like it's even worse. So I start telling people that you actually have to quadruple your estimate of how long it will take to get to the real amount because even when you double it, it's not enough. It, basically, whatever measure you do, whether you know you have to double or quadruple, it's all, always going to exceed what you expect. It, it really does seem that way. To, to some degree, I can accept it. I mean, we're all artists in some way, right? Like. There are some times that I've I've decided like I'm going to build a joystick or I'm going to you know draw a picture or whatever yeah. and it always or I'm going to do my homework right and it takes longer to do than I had planned right. uh, for whatever reason whatever realities happen right? right and so to some degree I get it at the same time and I have never been involved in a big game development project I, up front very clear about that 
But there was a time, the, the analog that I have is, uh, you know, I did a video game camp once, a two-week thing at Nintendo. I think I've mentioned it before. The first week was basically learning C, and the second week was implementing it and making a game. Yeah. And I was smart enough at that point in my life to say to my partner, who I was working on it with, say, we have to limit our scope, keep, you know... For instance, don't make a game with a scrolling background, like a, a side-scroller, right? Because that's just going to be a lot of effort to develop that thing that we haven't learned yet. And you know, then also include story and collision yeah, and all the things that go into that. That's the smart thing to do. Yeah, I was like, we have to keep it small. So we ended up doing something that was a static map, like maze-type thing, you know, a, like a Bomberman yeah. Have I told you about it? Pogo Chick? Did I ever tell you this game? You've told built? me some things, but yeah. some details are new now. The point is, I knew from the beginning we have to keep the scale small because we have one week. right? One, and then we were still in there like 14 hours a day working oh, before yeah. and after we were supposed to be in there. Oh, yeah. And because we knew, I knew, I said, no, keep it small because there's no way we're going to be able to finish what we want to do no matter what. But also there's no way we're going to even be able to get close if we just like design something that's crazy right. and other people didn't do that and they're like, all right, well, here's a look, we got a scrolling background working in a week. Fantastic. Right. We had a game that you could play, you could design maps, like you could actually do stuff. And it was fantastic because we understood our scope and someone like Schaefer, who I, who has been involved in this before he's had to do it before he's had big money before he should have a better understanding of how to actually do it at least with closer approximation than he came here. Clearly, he failed, and so he wrote this letter apologizing. And well, see, here, I, I just find it so hard to fathom that that's how it went down. Like, I just feel like there's a, the missing story here. There's something that's not adding up. That part I can't speak to. I don't even want to speculate. What I can tell you is, on one hand, I'm bitching about him because it was wholly responsible what, what he allowed to happen. Well, ultimately, somebody does have to take responsibility, don't they? Yeah, but... What he then did in response, like, because there's a point where you have to, you can't look back anymore. You just say, this is the situation I'm in. I can't, I have to accept the fact that we're beyond the point of no return, right? Like, this is the way it is. We're not going to be able to finish it. Even though we had too much money, I just have to suck it up. I'm going to tell the truth, maybe. I'm going to tell them something, at least, that admits the situation. um, And come up with some sort of solution moving forward. And the solution they came up with is somewhat genius, in my opinion, although I don't know how their development could have been done in the way that it is in order to do what they're doing, which we'll talk about in one second. Um, but, but he was what seemed transparent and open to his audience, and they came up with a solution which sort of solves the problem. I, did you read enough about it that you know what they're doing? It was, I thought it was complicated, and so basically I what they're doing is they it. said it'd be too hard to finish the whole game, but what we can do is give you half the game right now. We're going to release basically an episode one of two episodes. That's what they say right now. In the end, it could be ten. Who knows? Um, We're going to release the first half. We're going to charge for it. Obviously, Kickstarter people don't have to pay for it. But we're going to put it on Steam. And so people who want to buy it can buy it. That will give us more revenue that we can then use to fund the second half of the game. Yeah, but right now isn't right now. It's next January. Yeah, well, when he says we're going to run out of money, I'm sure it doesn't mean they run out of money right now. No, no, no. I mean, when the people who get the uh, first half of the game, yeah, that's January. Yeah, so they're going to continue building it yeah, using so the money that they have. In six months. Um, but I, I do, although I don't respect the fact that he got here and he let it happen, I do respect how he handled it once it happened. I like that he communicated. I like that he found a solution that doesn't just throw people on lurch and say, screw you, um, which plenty of Kickstarters have essentially done. Uh, He's at least giving them something and finding a way to create some funding. And we won't know until it releases, you know, how much funding they get, what they can really do to produce the game. But uh, he's doing something, and I appreciate that. I I mean, I'm impressed that he has the balls to uh, be direct and forthright about it, and that's very good. But I... I wonder how how people will react to the prospect of playing half a game and then years later playing another half of a game. Well, I'd possibly. like to think it doesn't take them more than one year to put together the second half. They only they did the first half yeah. in a year. We right? like to think a lot of things that yeah. take the time. That did this Kickstarter happen? It was in 2013 or 2012. I mean, I I think it, like in a year and a half from the Kickstarter. 
I should go find out the date. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be right back with new topics. Welcome back, dear listeners. Our website is chatterboxgameshow.com. Facebook slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio is where we can interact with you. Feel free to go there, ask us questions, tell us what you like and don't like. And uh, also, you might have heard the Help Chatterbox commercial earlier if you didn't skip through it with your fancy podcasting things. Anyway, lots of new games and systems coming out soon. Make sure you go to helpchatterbox.com if you plan to buy from Amazon because doesn't hurt you helps us it's awesome and thank you to those who have done it thus far by the way it doesn't matter if you're buying video games whatever you want to buy helpchatterbox.com is how you do that now i want to move past double fine and their kickstarter screw up and uh talk to you about something that i'm not sure is on your list at all uh there's a game called sunset overdrive coming to xbox one does this name even ring a bell to you it rings a bell Okay, I think it's some sort of driving game. Honestly, don't even know, and don't care what kind of game it is. The point I want to make is that the article I was reading on, on Polygon.com is talking about how it's going to use the Xbox One cloud. I assume you've read about oh, their cloud to oh, some yes. degree. It's not something we've touched on very much on the show. There's a, there's a, if I'm not mistaken, there are a few games that are boasting to require this cloud type of yeah, so uh, technology what i'm reading is saying you can still play it without being connected at least the campaign i mean it makes sense oh. right the multiplayer you would need to be connected anyway um so you can play it offline and that's that's kind of what i want to discuss so it, there, there's two sides of this right either they allow the game to be played without all the cloud computing fancy stuff which makes the game presumably better in some way Although I'm not sure what it is they're using it for. Well, I, I think what they're trying to pitch to the public is that um, other than like the cloud being like a mysterious new technology and a word that you haven't heard used in this way before, and so therefore it must be good. Besides that, I think what they're boasting is that like, well, okay, well if you're on the cloud, like if we if we we can like defer like processing to like the cloud servers. And so you can get a game that actually makes use of much more computing power than what's available locally because yeah. we're going to do some computation on our server side way. I, I guess I should have that. described what, what that is. Yeah, the cloud computing. So yeah. we, I think we mentioned when we first talked about the Xbox One that like they're going from something on the order of like 5,000 servers running Xbox Live to 300,000 servers yeah, running Xbox huge. Live. But they throw around this word cloud like in reference to a variety of applications. So like – just storing your data and on, on a, as a backup is the, yeah. that is also something to cloud. But they're does. also doing cloud computing where they, they they can say what you just said, right? Right. They can take computing processes or requirements, send them off, have them be handled by all the big fancy computers at Microsoft, yeah. send the results back. And conveniently, uh, since now this kind of computation requires knowledge of Microsoft computers at Microsoft, uh, this also allows them – control in unprecedented ways of your experience that you didn't know about before. Yeah, I'm not sure how much that's going to come into play. I don't, I don't know. Well, this is what scares me about the cloud in general, but I feel like you have more to say before I go off ranting. Yeah, definitely. So so this is what I want to talk about. So on one hand, this has the potential to make the game better, like in, in ways that your system could not do on its own. So that's kind of neat. It's neat to think that they could do things that they wouldn't be able to do if you were just offline, sitting with the machine in your house. Right. Right. So I like that they're giving this expanded functionality and hopefully building it in such a way where it's not required. Although I'm sure in the future it's going to be like you have to be connected and use the cloud computing. Otherwise, the games are not the same and we're not going to allow you to do it that way. Right. But backing up a second, you can play this game at least offline 
in other words, without access to the cloud, or with the cloud. Presumably better with the cloud. So then you think there are some people getting a different experience, some sort of degraded experience. But beyond that, I think on a bigger scale, this means that games now exist in a temporary space in, in the world, right? Like, right now... Even I, more so than before, yeah. Yeah, like, I can, I can open up a MAME emulator on any number of devices, right? My cell phone, watches, or, you know, my Xbox, or my computer, whatever, and I can play, like, pixel-perfect Pac-Man, or Frogger, or, you know... Super Mario Brothers Arcade or whatever, yeah, right? Without, without knowledge of anyone in the world but you. Yeah. I can play that game, and I will be able to play that game in 100 years. And thanks to copyright law, it will actually be legal to play those games. I think it already is legal to play the, old, the super old ones like Pac-Man and stuff uh, because their copyright has run out. But um, you can do that, and that's the game. It's the same game that they were playing 30 years ago. That's the game you're playing in your living room today. But now, like, even even if we're selling used games, right? Like, even if I give you a copy of the game, if it's five years down the road when this company has decided they're not going to use the cloud computing anymore, they're not going to... Because I'm sure the company has to pay to use Microsoft servers in that way to some degree. Microsoft's mm, not just going to say, you can use our servers forever. But even beyond that, eventually Microsoft's going to say, we're not doing cloud computing for Xbox One anymore. We've got the Xbox 8 and 10 and whatever. So we're not going to be expending cpu on games that people are plugging into the network now well yeah i mean just, just like they've done with online services for games that are no longer you know hosting a, the threshold amount of users that they need yeah they stop online services for that game yeah exactly so but it's it's not just mmos anymore right it's just yeah. a game that wants some extra computing power in no the they were the Xbox One. they were doing that for like demon souls i don't even know if the servers are still up i remember they were like announcing they were going to shut them down and they're like oh wait yeah. so many people are playing we're going to keep them on for six more months but but even that was just like that was a tertiary feature of the game and and in this yeah, in this true. case it'll still supposedly run without it but i'm thinking further down there's Maybe it's a successful thing, and people start building it into all sorts of basic computation needed you, for a game. You realize, of course, that this is a publisher's maximum wet dream. Yeah, that their game exists temporarily, and yeah, then because nobody they don't, can be selling it. They don't want to sell you a product that you own. They just want to sell a service because they can get paid many, many more times over when they do it that way. But, I mean, I, I, I mean this isn't the subject I wanted to bring up, but... I wonder if that hurts them in the long run. Like, part of what makes Nintendo great is the n nostalgia associated with their stuff. Yeah. And, like, they're re-releasing stuff on Virtual Console, and well, people have memories of playing the old I'm games. I'm actually glad you brought that up, because that's, that's one of the things that's been on my mind about a lot of the chaotic things that have been happening in the industry. Like that, like the free-to-play stuff, like all this other business, that these things, like, the customers, right? Customers aren't static entities. We react to things and we change our behaviors in reaction to things. And I don't think anybody knows how the mass of consumers are going to respond long term to these sorts of things. And you might be right. And I also fear, too, that over time, this is actually going to bite them in the butt. Well, so I don't even... I don't know that it's going to be something that they'll realize, right? So, like, right now, the vast majority of things we do in terms of video gaming is we play the new stuff, right? Like, I'm not spending my time playing old games usually. Most of the time, it's whatever new came out, I'm playing it. And when right. the time comes that I can't go back and play older games because there's no more old games that are capable of running, right? Uh, you know, like, I could run MAME now, but in the future I won't be able to play old games because of stuff like this. That'll just be the way things are. So it's like, I don't even think about playing old games. But what I'm saying is that they're, I feel like they're taking something from me. Like, I don't have kids yet, but I suspect I will have kids one day. And I will want them to play the original Super Mario Brothers and the original whatever games that I played. And I want them to go through that like I did as sort of like an educational structure yeah. for them leading well, you know to what? games. You're going to have to go to like a museum but play that <laughs> no but you you won't be able to because they won't be able to connect to whatever microsoft cloud exists. no because maybe it'll be microsoft's museum and it'll be yeah. the only place in the entire world that that game can be ever played that, again that's the thing like the idea of nostalgia the idea of going back to older games yeah obviously we'll always be able to go back to pac-man because it's pre-xbox one times but 
eventually there's going to be a time where the games that I've played in the last 15 or 20 years cannot be played whether or not I have the hardware that they were That's what on. they want. When they Whatever have their when they have their wet dream, you will not be able to play but, games. But why? Like why does that even help them? It help I think it helps them because what they want to do is they want to exert maximal control over the system and when you are only selling a service that is ethereal and you're not actually selling a material product I mean this is the racket that all of the telecom companies have this is the racket that all the cable companies have do you do you even know how much I mean you know you know how much insane profits they're making off of substandard products maybe they're not substandard maybe they're just serviceable but it's it's just the, I just feel like they can make way more money with all this control and they feel like I mean the whole used game thing right like once you once you're operating a service and it's truly it's just it's just a game delivery service right used games don't exist anymore and that is the other part of their wet dream yeah and of course that I understand but at least I will be able to get copies of that game eventually digitally yeah. from someone else's they just want they just want to control everything because like, they want to control everything that they think they have the means to be able to control and they will they will shoot for nothing short of that i mean i mean i, I hear you but i mean that does sound a little bit conspiracy theorist um it's not it's not if the look you don't have to go and visit alex jones to go there the thing about the corporate entity is what it wants to do is make as much money as possible under the limits of the law, right? So that's they're simply doing nothing more than that. They are simply trying to maximize their agency within the limits of the law. But at the same time, I don't know that they're thinking about that when they're thinking about, oh, we're going to take advantage of this cool new thing that Microsoft is offering. Oh, I, I bet they are thinking you know, about that. Right now we're in this time where you know, this is only – Sony isn't doing it. If you make a game for the PC or the Mac, right, you don't have access to Microsoft's cloud servers for your game. Um, I don't know if games for Windows will have access to this. They're not. They're not doing it yet. But you know, down the road, what if that's the case? Or companies build their own cloud computing farm. So, like, you want to play our game on PC? Well, it's going to connect online to our farm to do this computing for you. Yeah, but Sony. Sony has. I mean, they're already building their infrastructures. They already have cloud saves. I feel like all of the big publishers, maybe except Nintendo. <laughs> okay, so there's only two left, but still. They're they're kind of incrementally inching up toward this wet dream. And so I think their hope is that eventually there will just be like this threshold of mass. of just There's just going to be enough momentum that to make that next step, that switch over that messes everything up will be trivial. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too worked up about it. Don't get too worked up. There's other things to get worked up about. We'll be we'll be right back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back. You are still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio, and you'll be hearing about more things to get worked up about. Yeah, I, I do want to close just really quick what I was saying about, you know, before the break. This is not an inevitability for every game. Like, I get that. I get that it's not everything's going to be 
you know, computed somewhere off your own machine and you're never going to be able to play old games. Wait, some people want that, though, and I think it may be a possible But we're future. always going to have indie developers. We're always going to have people who don't need it. I mean, Well, but, I mean, on PC, sure, right? But, but consoles, since they're proprietary products, I'm not as We're We're getting optimistic. to the point where I know that in 30 years, I, I simply won't be able to guarantee that I'll be able to play a game that I played 15 years from now 30 years into the future. Yeah. And that that bothers me to some degree. If not for me, then for my kid and their kids. Look, and if it's any consolation, the games that are coming out now are pretty crappy. So <laughs> the old games, they're a lot better Okay, in a lot of ways. Well. So at least we have those. All right. Well, I'm ready to move on to another topic. But, of course, not before mentioning UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on. Maybe to happier pastures. Maybe not. Um, no, there's something else I want to complain about. Okay. So today was a special day for Apple. Fifth anniversary. Yes. A day when I took it upon myself to download a bunch of free stuff. I thought it was awesome. Why and, wasn't it awesome? And I did not um, because I don't own an Apple uh, I thing. Yeah. Um, so I can't download any apps. But so this is. This is interesting because this is like an unprecedented sale today. That I've been told, and you can correct or elaborate, that there there are apps that yesterday were ten or twenty dollars. Yep. And today they just free. Yes. This is great if you haven't bought the app. Now, but what if I bought the twenty dollar app yesterday? How great is that? But this has been happening for a long time. Every week they have a free app or game. Yes. And. It's some people have said that look, there's so many sales about apps across all of the app places, not just Apple, and they are so frequent that in fact there's no reason to pay a full price for any app. You just wait until it goes on sale. Yeah, and this is true. I can tell you from the mind of an iOS user. Uh, let, me, let me give you a few a few examples. Yeah. Right. So today is, I guess, marks the fifth anniversary of the App Store. And so what they did was they made five games and five apps free. Um, and in, there's like one game and one app that there's an iOS version or there's an iPhone and a different version for the iPad, but it's the complementary version. So basically five apps, five games. Um, one of the games I have bought, by the way, very few things on iOS. Very, very few. But one of them was I spent a whopping dollar on Tiny Wings for the iPhone. Yeah. And that is one of the games that is free right now. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to be. A week, a month. Who knows how long Apple's is going to do this for. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I paid for that. And now it's free. And that was one dollar that I spent like two years ago. Yeah. And I still had that feeling. Yes. You know, it wasn't you know, rational, I don't know, but no, I no, had no. the feeling. See, here's what happens. And this is a very well-known psychological phenomenon. And I, I think everybody has an innate sense of this one or the other. It is a lot more distressing to have something than lose it than to have never gotten it again. This is the reason why uh, any game that does score in a reasonable way gives you score that strictly increases. It's because if they actually subtracted from your score, that has a unusually strong detrimental psychological effect that you really want to avoid. It's funny that you say that because this week's free app, yeah. aside from the five-year thing, yeah. there, this week's free app is actually a good game that I wanted you to play. I forgot to have you play it first. It has yeah. a system in place where you lose score if you screw up. Yeah, so, so your score goes up and then it goes down, and it does have a strong feel, like a strong yeah. effect on my psyche when that happens. And 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 yeah, and it's funny because you know back in the day, like this was like one of those things that every game designer figured out and knew, and it was just part of the body of knowledge. And now it's like there's no rules anymore; nobody cares. So we have the, those things that you just described. But anyway, I'm really surprised that this is happening so much because I feel like it's training everybody to wait, to not buy things at the price that they come out at. And um, it's it's just – it's jacking up the value and the intrinsic perceived value of things. Jacking up or it is down? Ja well, it is jacking it up by, I mean, screwing it up. It's not making it better. Oh, oh, oh. 
see, here's the see, thing, the thing though, is, it's, it's more analogous to real life because everything hits the bargain bin eventually. No, 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 you no. Just no. Have to look it's for even, it no, but it's even worse because I don't, I don't think it's analogous to real life actually. Because even though that happens, right? I mean, it's analogous to what they're doing with like retail games, right? Where they drop the price over yeah, time. Like we we're talking about Grid Two, but I want, but I. Th- but that is even also a strange beast because those prices are like they they drop like crazy. Compare this to back in the day where most games had a pretty static price. Or actually, let's even do a better comparison. Let's compare this to things that really have like a thick, generally a fixed intrinsic value, and their price of them doesn't change. Like hardware. I mean, like, let's let's see if we can think of something. I don't know. Like, the controllers for the video game system. Sure, hardware. Yeah, because those things, I mean, it's a tangible thing. It costs a certain amount of money to make, and you're never going to go below that. So they can never be sold for the amount it takes to make. But these things are funny because, right, because once, they once they're made once, they can generate an unlimited number of copies because it's software, right? I, I'm just afraid that what's happening right now in the market is, like, this massive unintentional psychological experiment and i'm afraid that what we're doing as an industry is that we're basically training people to um not take like not take like not interpret like the price of a game as its actual value and they're encouraging us to play games with the price they're encouraging us to game the price as they are gaming the price and now so we're like locked in this bizarre battle where it's like we're waiting for the price to become cheap enough so that we feel like we get a good deal. And they're playing another game where they're dropping the price so they can maximize their sales. And I don't know what's going to happen. Let, let me tell you something. It doesn't sit well with me one bit. So I spent my life as a child thinking that I was somehow different than everyone else. And then I grew towards adulthood and realized, you know what? I'm pretty much the same as everyone, right? Like I have the same basic thoughts and feelings and understandings. And then I get older, and to some degree, I, I figure out where I am different and where I am the same as everyone else uh, in terms of everything, you know, intellect and preference and taste in food or whatever, right? Yeah. And when it comes to games and my, my thought of the economics of gaming and whether or not I want to wait and buy a game, I'm realizing that I'm actually not so much the same as everyone. And, and when I say I, I mean you as well, and probably the people who listen to this show, yeah. we are different than the masses. Like this 50-year this anniversary thing where they have these five games on sale, it's all a means of marketing. It's simply saying, hey, there are some things that are really cool. You should totally try them out. It's going to be temporary. It's going to introduce it to a huge number of people. I mean, that's why they have the free game of the week. That's why Steam has sales. And we've talked to indie developers we know, right, who've been involved with Steam and Steam sales, and they see a, a huge spike. Like, they make more money because of the sales in Steam. Yeah, but are you are you getting at, are you trying to say that normal people who have bought the $20 app won't feel this massive sense of inequity after learning that the app is now free? Uh, what I'm saying is most people won't even know that that happened. Right, but suppose you do know. But when you do know, yeah, you would feel a little bit gypped. But at the same time, it's a good piece of software. That that one that is $20 is Tractor DJ. I am not a DJ myself. <laughs> but it's for people who make the Musax. And it's the iPad version is 20 bucks. Supposedly, it's very good software. And it's yeah. the only one that was that high in value. Infinity Blade 2 is normally 8 bucks. That's the most expensive game, I think. I think um, I, think I would only agree with, with your position, if that's your position, if uh, when it comes to people who... Like they're they're so casual about uh, their consumption of apps that they act like they actually like they just really don't care that much. I feel like once somebody gets into buying apps and is like and once they realize like oh wait a minute I just spent twenty dollars that I didn't have to, I think that then that turns them into more like us. That's like the trigger event. Well, listen, for people who bought it yesterday versus today, that's different. Whereas, of course, it's been out for a long time. Like, none of these things that were free now have been out for a very short period of time. Infinity Blade 2 was released, I mean, sometime last year, I think. It's got to be at least a year old. And that's free this week, right? But I I don't know of any of the things on that list that are very new. So, right, it's it's run its course. 
yeah. people have bought these things. Nobody else is buying them now, except in the case of Tractor DJ. I bet that has relatively consistent sales because there's always new people deciding to be DJs and to make music and whatever. And it's always been highly rated. So that probably has a longer tail than games, which have a, a very short life. Maybe. Uh, at least of awareness. So for the most part, though, this is a big marketing thing. It gets the name of these games out there again, and I don't think it disrupts people that much. Like I said, I spent $1 two years ago, and I still sort of felt it, but it wasn't that big a deal. Like, I get it. And I know, I, I do sometimes say, oh, I'm not going to buy that. I'll wait till it's free, right? Like, for instance, on, on uh, PlayStation, a friend of mine really wants me to buy Journey, and it was on sale a couple months ago. Buy it now. It's on sale for five bucks. So I was like, eh, it'll be on PlayStation Plus for free one day. Right. Probably. And that, that was how I felt about it. And yeah. I was like, yeah. and that's when there will be a spike of players with whom I can play the game because that's part of the game is playing it with other people. Um, so it makes sense even for me to wait. Like, that's how I was rationalizing it. Uh, the other half is I know that people are going to hack Sony systems and I don't want my credit card sitting in their, in their database. But, um, I I do wait for these things to go free, but most people they want a game, they buy it. And I think the article you had said no app is is something you need right now. Well, this was this, this was the guy's personal position. Probably a lot more like us. I, I disagree. There are plenty of games that are like, oh my god, I really want to play that. Like after people played Infinity Blade, I'm sure plenty of people were like, I totally want Infinity Blade too. Well, I haven't found an app that I feel that way about yet. Well, uh, you and I are, you know, more discerning than your average user, I think. And that's why I say we're not like the rest of the folks. Most people would be like, yeah, I'll spend two bucks and I'll buy this game. No big deal. You and I, super cheap and super high standards when it comes to these pieces of software. Agreed on both counts. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Obviously, end of the show. We will be back next week. Don't forget, Facebook slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. If you want to uh, tell us happy birthday or how much you love us, do that. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.